Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that continues to celebrate the men and women who are working so hard, especially in this COVID pandemic moment, to make coast of Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, a better place to live, work, and play. Hey, we're going to be moving to the Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, here just shortly. I want you to know that we're recording this this show on Thursday because of uh, we had the availability to get the speaker. We'll release some news items from this show, but it will play on Monday. So I just wanted you to have a sense of the timing of this, so that in case new news were to pop up, uh, you'll 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 know sort of exactly when this was. Uh, Take. But as of Thursday, the, uh, the State Department of Health has reported 4,807 new cases of, of uh, COVID, 21 new deaths, 180 uh, outbreaks at long-term care facilities. And Dr. Dobbs said that we are clearly at the worst part of the pandemic that we've seen throughout. It's continuing to worsen. Um, he's previously said that this could go on another several weeks, which is very alarming when you think about the exponential math of all of this. Uh, Dobbs also added, as he always does, as we always do here on the show, that the vaccine is the best way out of the pandemic. It's effective and extremely safe. COVID has killed almost 8,000 Mississippians, but we've seen very few side effects from the from the vaccine. And uh, what, what's going to be really relevant to the conversation we're about to have with the, the Speaker of the House, number one, the fourth surge has put unbelievable stress on our healthcare system in Mississippi. Unbelievable stress, and as as one health official pointed out, um, you know they have been the, the healthcare workers in this state have been traumatized by what they've been having to deal with. It's just unbelievable. And if you heard my conversation with Lee Bond last week, where he talked about a friend of his dying and about you know the the, the impact on the emotional impact on nurses who had to watch these patients die is unbelievable unbelievably difficult. And then lastly, we'll be talking more about the uh, potential COVID uh, special session of the Mississippi legislature. So without any further ado, just let's move over to my friend, the Speaker of the House for the state of Mississippi, Philip Gunn. How you doing, Philip? Hey, Ricky, I'm doing great. Good to be with you today. Thank you for letting me be on. Yeah, well, look, okay, so there's a lot to talk about, but let's start with, um, I really want to hear what you have to say about it. you've You've had the opportunity to visit, to be on the ground at, at some of the leading uh, medical facilities in this state, and you've been visiting with doctors and hospital administrators and sort of seeing with your own eyes the difficulties that we're facing in this state now. What's your impression now after getting some more, you were on the coast yesterday, what, what are some of the impressions that you're getting that that are really compelling you to, to step up your game. Well, uh, uh, thank you, and, I, and I'll be glad to touch on that. You know, you and I were talking a few minutes ago before we went on the air about uh, the, the, the people knowing what is true and what is not. And I've heard a lot of people say a lot of different things, a lot of opinions, and everybody's got one. Uh, so I didn't want to see for myself. So I went to UMMC here in Jackson on Monday. I have talked personally to the CEO of Baptist Hospital here in Jackson. I talked personally to the CEO of Merit Health. I um, uh, went yesterday to uh, Forest General in Hattiesburg. I toured Gulfport Memorial in Gulfport and the Singing River, uh, in Gu the, the branch there in Gulfport. And I uh, wanted to see for myself just what are what what are the facts 
And I think that's the best thing we can do is operate on the facts. Um, I saw some grim sights yesterday. It is, uh, it is very uh, compelling when you get on the ground, and a lot of people don't have that opportunity. That's why I went, so that I could go and, and, and disseminate the information. But every ICU, UMMC here in Jackson, Forest General, Gulfport, Singing River, they're maxed out. Not to keep in mind, not all that's COVID. You know, there's heart attacks in there and there's car wrecks and stuff. But over half of every one of them, they still have to treat those people. Over half of every one of them is COVID. One of the hospitals I saw outside the emergency room, people are sitting in the yard in this, trying to get in the shade. You know how hot it is this time of the year, waiting to be tested for COVID. One of the hospitals, they, they've uh, taken an entire floor, as I understand it, to put other COVID patients in there. They're waiting for beds in ICU. There was one hospital that had people just in the hall. They were on gurneys in the hall waiting for a spot to put them. I tried to talk to one of the emergency room nurses yesterday, uh, not, not emergency room, ICU room nurses, and uh, we were standing in the hallway. She was the head of the ICU and she was giving me details and talking, and we couldn't stand in the hall and talk because of the traffic, the nurses going and coming and the patients going up and down the hallway. And finally, I just had to tell her, look, I see that you're busy. I don't want to take you any more of your time. You go and do your job. But I bet we can, in, in the five minutes we stood there, but there were six groups of people that went back and forth between us, running up down the hall, uh, trying to tend to patients. I saw one ICU patient. I, I didn't, I, I don't have any medical knowledge to know how this works but in one icu room uh, they did show me a ventilator they showed me the drips that go along with it. there was a drip pole there that thing had like six bags of medicine hanging on the drip pole below that was a, like six different types of computer monitors there are wires and hoses and stuff hooked up and that's one patient and the nurse said now this you know a nurse somewhere has got to tend to all of this and, and then that nurse has got to go into that ICU room and check those bags, check those monitors, and then do that ever how many times patients that they they have. And so it just became overwhelming to, uh, to see at UMMC here in Jackson, for example, their ICU is full. So they've got these tents in the parking garage. These inflatable, I call them an inflatable tent. They are air conditioned, but they blow them up. They've got patients in there. Some people may be familiar with Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse is a function of Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, heads up Samaritan's Purse. They have two medical units. They may have more. I know they've got two on the ground now. One of those units is in Haiti, where we just had a massive earthquake and uh, a hurricane. The second unit is in Jackson, Mississippi. So Samaritan's Purse has decided, they've looked the world over and decided where is the greatest need, and Jackson, Mississippi is one of the places that they've chosen to put one of their units. Uh, I heard stories about uh, another interesting statistic, and again, I'm trying to operate on facts here, Ricky. I'm not giving opinion. I'm telling you what I saw. I'm giving you the numbers. I asked how many people in the emergency room, all of the hospitals that I talked to, all six, how many people in the, uh, not the emergency room, the COVID, how many of your COVID patients who are hospitalized are unvaccinated? 90%. 90% of the people who are being hospitalized are not vaccinated, which makes the point that the vaccines 
uh, could possibly, and I can't, I'm no medical professional. I can't promise to get in the vaccine is going to protect you. But I did see Admiral Brett Girard on Fox News last week. If anybody watches Fox News, you know this guy. He was the assistant health secretary under Donald Trump. He was Donald Trump's appointee to help develop the vaccine. A lot of people forget Donald Trump is the one that, that helped uh, get the vaccine to market. It was under his leadership and his administration that this happened. Brett Girard uh, testified on Fox News last week on the Bill Hemmer show that uh, there have been over 200 million vaccines administered in this country and the number of adverse effects don't even register statistically. He said they are minuscule. Statistically, it's incredibly small. Now, I said on my Facebook post last week, uh, I, I'm no medical professional. Hey, all I can do is convey what the doctors are telling us. But our medical professionals are telling us this is the best tool we got. And it is. Tomorrow, we may have a better tool that comes along. We may have some better way to fight it. They may get a cure for it tomorrow. They may get a cure for it next week. But as you and I sit here today, the best tool we've got is the vaccine. That's all the Lord has given us. The Lord has given us medical professionals. He's given us people who are smart. And this is the best we've got. So people have to decide. I'm encouraging people to get the vaccine. I think the statistics that I've quoted to you bear out the fact that the potential for adverse effects are minuscule. And if you don't get the vaccine, 90% of the people who are hospitalized right now, in every one of the, the lowest percentage was 86%. Forrest General tells me that 86% of the people that are hospitalized for COVID are unvaccinated. All the rest of them are 90% of the above. Another interesting stat that they showed me at Forrest General yesterday, and this is just this one hospital now, so don't take this to mean statewide, but for this one hospital in the what we call the first wave of COVID, which was last year, the average age of hospitalized people was 57 years old. This second wave is 35. So you see it's a younger crowd that seems to be struggling with it. I was told of a, a young mother, 27 years old, gave birth. She's got COVID. Um, they did not want the baby to be exposed to her. The the baby, uh, they FaceTimed with her. She saw the, saw the baby at the FaceTime. And within a few hours, the mother was dead. 27 years old. Um, it it is real. I said it the other day. We got to operate on facts. And I know people are accusing me of trying to be an alarmist. Hey, I'm just passing along information. What I'm talking to you about right now is facts and data. It's not opinion. I have an opinion, but all these numbers that I've quoted to you are the facts as they have been presented to me and what I have personally seen in the hallways of the hospitals. Another fact that compels me is that 95% of board-certified physicians in the U.S. have been vaccinated. When I talked to Lee Bond, the CEO of Singer River Health System, it was really heartbreaking. Um, I mean, he, 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 first of all, he's a he's a he's a numbers guy. He's a great administrator, but he's he's also a leader with a heart. And he talks to these nurses and these these uh, critical care doctors and all of the, the I mean the respiratory therapists, even the custodians that have to keep the ICU clean, for example. They get close to these patients, and what happens is they 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 turn they make a downturn really rapidly, and they go from talking to everyone to being on the ventilator. And and we know the statistics are not good once you get on a ventilator. One of his childhood friends had just passed away. And he told me the story of one guy, and we'll, we'll end with this and come back on the other side, but one of his 
One of the one of the most compelling stories was that one one guy's last words to the nurse was, "I wish I had not listened to my friends on Facebook," and then he died. So when we come back on the other side with the Speaker of the House, Philip Gunn, we're going to continue this conversation. We'll see you after this break. View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Uh, we have the Speaker of the House for the state of Mississippi, Philip Gunn, who's been out on, the, out on the road. He's been talking to administrators, to critical care nurses, to others, to try to see with his own eyes, what are the stats at each of these hospitals? You know, what's really happening on the ground? How, you know, to, to me, the best way to sort of understand the situation, uh, Philip, is to, is, to go, is to go talk to the people who are having to care for these people. And it is incredible. I mean, the number of heroes that are working every day in these like warlike conditions, when you see it with your own eyes, man, it's, it's, it gets you, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I, I, it was one of the first things I did yesterday when I visited those hospitals. First of all, they are extremely grateful that, that, that someone had showed up to, to hear them and to listen to them. Um, they brought in doctors and nurses and the others who are on the front lines fighting this for me. I just didn't meet with the CEOs. I met with the people who are actually doing the work. And uh, it was incredibly inspirational to see them uh, devoting their heart and soul to, to treating these patients. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we were standing there trying to talk to that ICU nurse. They were just running through us and by us, you know, the whole time. And um, we have a lot of great medical professionals in our state. You particularly do on the coast where I was yesterday. They are compassionate, they are hardworking, they're dedicated. Many of them are working long hours and uh, we just no way to to tell them how much we appreciate that. And uh, we got people who are hurting. We are in a critical situation here, and we need to have all hands on deck, including the legislature, ready to stand by to do whatever we have to do to help. And that's the message I went not only to hear from them, but to deliver support and say, I'm here to do whatever we need to do to get y'all the, the help that you need. You know, there's a lot of misinformation. You and I talked about that offline, and you mentioned it just a second ago, and I've worked really hard. I think, you know, if you look at the Kaiser study, there are, there's a small percentage of people who are dug in. You're not going to change your mind, but there's still a group of people who are maybe not open-minded, but, they, but they, they're, they're, they're puzzled about what to do, and they may be acting on bad information. And, we're, and, and so I've, I'm really committed to sort of work my way through those people the best I can to provide as much accurate information as possible. But when I went to your Facebook, you did a you did a video about getting the vaccine. You also uh, posted something about the mo monoclonal uh, antibody infusion. And I, I, what I did is I looked at some of the comments and let me just hit some of these. We'll do this kind of rapid order and then we'll come back to something else I want to mention to you. Okay. One comment, gun keeping the fear and hype spreading. What, what's your response to that? 
Well, that's the reason I, I'm trying to operate on data. That's the reason in the first segment when you and I talked, I quoted so many facts and figures. Um, I, I'm trying to get away from opinion and operate on objective data. And then from that, we can draw conclusions. The numbers that I quoted to you were the numbers that were given to me. And it is what it is. And they cannot like me. I'm just the messenger. I'm just delivering the message. But yeah. they need to offer, all of us need to operate on data, not some opinion that somebody put on Facebook. I, I'm an attorney in my regular life. Everything that somebody says, we have to measure their credibility, their credentials. I can't call an expert witness in a trial without establishing that he knows what he's talking about. And it's just, it's it's sad sometimes that people will get on Facebook and listen to somebody they don't even know who has zero credentials to know what they're talking about. And they'll believe that over uh, the medical professionals or the data. I mean, if you don't even agree with the medical professionals, just look at the data, like I quoted a minute ago. 90% of the people that are hospitalized or unvaccinated. Yeah, it's, it's very and profound. I talk about it all, a lot on my show because it came from the digital media area, but the way the artificial intelligence of Facebook works is that they, they look at the things that you like. So if you're reading a lot of sort of anti-vax stuff, you're going to get more anti-vax stuff. It makes it appear that everyone in your newsfeed agrees, agrees with you, and that's really kind of a deadly combination if you ask me. What it does is it breeds a lot of mistrust. Another comment on your Facebook page, someone said, trust the same people who gave you the opioid crisis, pharma, the government, and the medical profession, exclamation point. I can see why people feel cynical about the situation, but that's why it's, I think it's important to really understand what's going on on the ground, right? Oh, well, again, I, I, I cannot, I don't know what that person's experience is. It's unfortunate that they have had some experience in the past, I guess, where there was a level of distrust there. So let's get away from that and let's look at the data. Let's operate on the numbers. And again, the numbers I quoted in the first half kind of speak for themselves. Well, uh, there's, there are others, but this next one brings a thought to me, uh, something I want to mention to you. I, I was up at the, my place in the Delta recently and talking to some of my neighbors. And to be honest with you, the conversations were troubling. And they were like one guy believed that a chip was literally injected into your system. But, you know, that's the information that they've been getting, unfortunately. One guy said, which is the, the, the next comment, the best way to fight this is to close the borders and keep our country safe. And he obviously said the same thing. And I said, look, that's a, that's a policy issue, and that's important. I get it. But forget about all that noise for a second. Let's just look at what's happening at the hospitals around you right now. That's what you need to pay attention to because that's where, I mean, again, if you get let all this policy noise get in the way of what's happening in Mississippi at this moment, we're never going to really get people's attention because it's just so much noise. Do you feel the same way? Well, I, I will use this, uh, an example or an analogy that I think the people of the coast can understand. Anytime we have a natural disaster in our state, and I'll use Katrina as an example because everybody down there knows what happened there. We as the government, we, you, you got to three-day window of immediate emergency need right there. Food, shelter, and water. We got to get everybody food, shelter, and water. We can't worry about the rebuild at that point. We can't worry about the cleanup at that point. For the next three days, we got to get people food, shelter, and water. Once you get that resolved, then you worry about the cleanup. And that take, could take weeks. It may have even taken years down there. But you bring in the bulldozers and the dump trucks and you load up all the junk and you haul it off. Then the third phase is the rebuild. That could take years. We got to come in and we got to rebuild. If you take that analogy and lay it over to where we are right now, we're in that first three-day period right there. We're in crisis mode. 
We are. We got to do what we can to stop the pandemic. We got to do what we can to get the nurses in in the hospitals to keep the nurses, and that's the main focus right now. And the best tool we got again is the vaccine. If people don't want to take the vaccine, then they need to do the other things that we were doing a year ago before we had the vaccine, which was wear the mask, stay away from crowds, wash your hands, and all those things. Uh, but but to just ignore either one of those is completely irresponsible and unwise, actually. So as you know, uh, we need to focus right. We got a crisis today, right now, and for the next three weeks, we need to be focused on getting past the pandemic, and then we can worry about all those other things later. As you know, I worked closely with Haley Barber after Hurricane Katrina. I wrote the foreword to his book on Katrina. I worked, I led the the oil plant recovery planning efforts for Governor Riley in Alabama. I've seen what good leadership looks like, okay? I was asked on the gala show last week, if I had five minutes to talk to uh, Tate Reeves, what would I say? And I said, you know, I, w- I said, get, you know, get on the road, use that jet. I, I, what, what, this, I, later, I got to thinking about, you know, the, te- the, the headline that I would want people to write about me is I'm the governor that never goes to sleep. I would be visiting these medical institutions. I would be driving the point home. I would be bringing Mississippi together. I would be trying to work my rear end off to take the politics out of it. And to, and to show leadership, like Haley Barber did after Katrina. He brought people together. Jim Barksdale, the largest contributor to Ronnie Musgrove, led the Katrina recovery efforts. And, you know, the list goes on and on of the kind of things that were done to bring people together. You know, you're traveling the state now. What conversations are you guys having about how you can work together to bring attention to this, this crisis? Well, that's exactly why I decided to hit the road over the last this entire week. I mean, it actually goes back to last week when I got a call from UMMC saying, hey, we're in a crisis mode here. We're setting up this field hospital, as they call it. It's a MASH type unit. A lot of people watch the old television show MASH. It's an inflatable tent with emergency type uh, uh, treatment in there. And so I immediately went out there. Uh, then I heard from other hospitals. I heard from one in Loosedale, heard from one in Pearl River County, uh, Baptist Hospital here in Jackson, Forest General. Oh, the list goes on and on and on. I said, well, I need to hit the road and go talk to these people. And I can't tell you yesterday when I was in Gulfport and the Singing River and in Forest General, how grateful they were that somebody had come to listen to their concerns and try to help them. And I pledge to them, we will do. You let us know what we need to do, and we're going to do everything we can to try to help. And so I think that's vitally important is that we get out there. Those people are on the ground. They're in the emergency room. They know what the needs are. They know what the situation is. I've now seen it for myself. I think there's value in that. And that's that's what we need to be doing. And so I went out. So do you you plan to share with the governor your observations? I would be glad to. I would be glad to. Uh, I, I, you know, I just got back late last night, and so I've not had an opportunity to do that. So the special session is we're getting we're going to wind this down because we're running out of time. But um, we need a COVID special session, don't we? Well, I said yesterday, I was asked by the media, did I favor one? And, and my response is I favor doing whatever we have to do to get relief on the ground. Again, you know, we're in that three-day window of crisis right now. Uh, And if that includes a special session, I'm not opposed to that. There are dollars that we have right now available to us. The, The number one need that the doctors and the hospitals have right now is nurses. 
We talk about ICU beds. They said, we can make ICU beds, but we have no point right now in doing that because we don't have the nurses to staff it. So we're trying to, I'm doing right now, my staff, as we speak, is putting together what we call a nurse retention program. We're looking for ways to keep our nurses here in Mississippi and keep them from being enticed away to these travel companies. We're also working to try to bring in nurses from out of state. There are these travel companies around the country, like the Samaritan's Purse I mentioned earlier, they're looking to give us nurses. And, and Dr. Dobbs and Mima have entered into some contracts, apparently, that supposedly are going to bring about, hopefully, 900 nurses to our state uh, in the next couple of days. That would be wonderful. All the hospitals were grateful for that. Some not hit, some had not heard that news. So that brings an element of, of comfort for them. But if, if it takes a special session to get them the relief that they need, then I'm not opposed to that. We all ought to be for that. I, but my point is, I'll do whatever. We're, we're, we as a legislature stand ready to do whatever it takes to get us past the, the pandemic. In closing, I'll remind you what uh, Haley Barber said in that special session of the legislature after Katrina. He said, what will our kids and our kids' kids say of us? Will they say we got it right or essentially blew this moment? This, we're in a crisis and we need everybody in this state to come together. Philip Gunn, Speaker of the House, thank you for visiting with us. And we'll, we'll, we'll touch base with you in the next week or two just to see how things are going. Thank you, Ricky. Appreciate the opportunity to be on. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.